Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Good to be with you in the house of the Lord this morning. Even better to feel His presence. Amen. I tell you, that last song, uh, I have a little bit of a soft spot for it. I think it's probably one of my favorite worship songs. My my wife and my daughter, every time it comes comes on or somebody starts singing or something, they'll look over at me because they know that one's going to get me. So, But I'll tell you, it is the ultimate song of... I guess I shouldn't say it's the ultimate song. I'm not much into songs and the singing part of ministry, amen, so it's hard for me to decide what songs are what. But I'll, I'll tell you this. That one paints a picture of a God that is sitting on a throne and a helpless people, amen? A people that, or a person, because I, I, always paint, I always put myself in that song when we start singing it. A person, an individual that is standing before God that can do nothing without him and in all of his presence will I stand will I fall will I kneel will I be able to say anything will I just weep amen what a mighty God we serve can I get an amen amen Amen. turn with me if you will Mark chapter 12 amen told my wife amen uh, this morning I said I I wish the Lord would give me something fun to preach Amen. I feel like I'm going to teach to you this morning, but what I feel, I feel, um, I guess I should say I feel heavy on my heart. Amen. I think I'm going to do more teaching this morning than preaching. Amen. But I do feel this heavy. I do feel like it is timely. Amen. I feel like we need need to hear it. I need to hear it. Amen. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. Get my eyeballs out. Thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity amen for uh, not only having me speak when you are here (laughs) but trusting me when you are not and I appreciate that amen it says a lot amen then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words when they had come they said to him teacher we know that you are true and care about no one amen let me explain that because that sounds a little harsh In other words, that means he doesn't play favorites, okay? It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about anybody. It just simply means that you don't play favorites and you tell the truth no matter what. No matter who you're talking to, you tell it like it needs to be told. And for you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God and truth. And here's the question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. And so they brought it, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And here's what I I like. I like this part. And they marveled at him. Amen? Just a a fairly simple answer, and I'm going to get into the answer here in just a minute, and we'll talk about, it's a a little bit complicated, the ramifications of that answer, amen, but really just a simple answer, and the Bible says, and they were kind of blown away. Amen? Aren't you thankful for those moments in your life? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for your presence, God, that we have already felt the things that you have already done, that you have brought us together, that, Lord Jesus, we have had the opportunity to worship your name and sing your praises. And we are thankful for those that have led us, God, and that have opened the door that we may walk into your presence as well and feel you in and among us, O God. And we ask you today, O Lord, that through the preaching of your word, our hearts and minds will be drawn closer to you. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me uh, get into a little bit. I'm going to be aware of the time this morning, but let me get into just a little bit about what is taking place here in this test. First of all, we know the players are the Herodians and the Pharisees. Amen. Well, the Herodians and the Pharisees did not play well together at all times. Amen. And in fact, They were opposed of one another. I don't know that we would call them enemies, but they certainly did not get along and they did not share, amen, common philosophies or interests, amen. 
But they decided in this case that they were going to come together whenever it came time to try to trip up our Lord. Amen. They were going to try and trick him into saying something that he should not say. The Herodians were actually a... Uh, anti-religious type if you will they were a, a sect of Jews a man that were really materialistic and they focused on a man uh, serving Rome and they had kind of given themselves over to that lifestyle if you will and then you had the Pharisees that most of us know about a man they were very strict in their uh, a man ways and they were very strict in following the law and we have seen examples a man where they have tried to trip people up before a man in the Bible where they have tried to drag them down into town square and have the law a man execute judgment upon people they were very strict in that way but these two opposing groups to one another decided that they were going to get together and come after a man Jesus himself the question was, should we pay taxes or should we not? Amen. What do you say about it? Here is the trick so that you understand what's going on here. If he says, no, you don't have to pay taxes, then the Herodians have got him because they can, they can uh, amen, accuse him and judge him of treason to Rome. Amen. Because if you, a man, didn't pay your taxes or your, a man, your, uh, your, your, uh, what is it, homage to Caesar, a man, if you did not pay those taxes to him, a man, they would lock you up, stone you to death. They did all kinds of things to you if you didn't pay your taxes. Treason, they would have him out. But if the Pharisees, if he said, oh yes, you've got to pay your taxes, the Pharisees, a man, would have him in that moment because on that inscription was the name of Caesar, and in fact, there was also a history. If you look into, if you research it a little bit, they will say that there was even a claim on that coin or any of the minted coins that Caesar was some sort of divinity. Amen. So then the Pharisees would have him, and their claim would just simply be this: they would be able in that moment to knock the credibility of Jesus Christ, and all of those crowds that were following him would walk away scratching their head like. So this Jesus says it's all right that we pay taxes to a false divinity. You see the, the trick here. It's kind of a, uh, if you will, what do they say, a catch-22. Amen. So Jesus answers and says, Whatever is Caesar's, give to Caesar. But whatever is God's, give to God. Amen. A perfect answer, not only for them, amen, because they now they can't say anything and now they can't accuse him of anything, but it's also a distinct, amen, designation that there are two kingdoms at work. Amen. Today I'm going to talk to you about two kingdoms, one battlefield. Two, two kingdoms, one battlefield. Jesus had drawn that line, and we will find, amen, if we will look throughout Scripture, and, and I'm sure that you have heard, and, and I certainly did not try to write down every one of them, and I'm not going to drag this out by quoting word for word the Scripture, but you will remember hearing, I'm sure, in many teachings throughout, amen, your times as a Christian, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get an amen? We are told, amen, about, we are taught about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Can I get an amen? We are told that a carnal mind is enmity with God. Can I get an amen? That a friend of the world is an enemy of God. We have heard that we should walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. That we should walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. We have been told that we cannot serve God and mammon. There is a distinction between the kingdoms. Amen. And there are, in fact, two kingdoms, praise God, that we are up against, praise the Lord, and that we walk in every day. Amen. That we battle.
battle and there are these confrontations and these encounters where those two kingdoms will come together and you and I have to decide in the middle of that encounter or that confrontation, we have to decide in that moment how will we react or respond or what will we give a man precedence to? What will we, a man, submit ourselves to? What will we surrender to a man? Will we surrender to the earthly kingdom or to the kingdom that is not of this earth? Can I get an amen? Every day when you and I wake up and our feet hit the floor, we encounter those two kingdoms. I know that we're spirit-filled and that we are children of God, amen, and I realize that. But every day when I wake up and I have a, an ache in my shoulder or a pain in one of my knees or, or a headache or whatever you name it, amen, those two kingdoms collide. And I have a choice in that moment that I am going to give in to my flesh or I'm going to give in to the carnal or I am going to surrender to amen this kingdom that we are on this earth or I'm going to simply surrender and give myself to God and understand that this is temporary and that is eternal can I get an amen praise God I want to read to you I'm going to read to you the same scripture in two different versions not because they say something different but just because I like the sounds of one of them a little better <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Can I get an amen? The New Living Translation says it like this, So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever isn't that awesome you and I encounter these two kingdoms every day and we have got to be careful that whenever we encounter them and whenever we are confronted by them amen that we choose to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's can I get an amen We've got to choose and we've got to understand and we've got to recognize that even when the pain doesn't go away, even when the trial doesn't subside, even when the troubles, amen, are, are very present in our life, in our mind, in our emotion, in our spirit, even if we are finding ourselves on the battleground each and every day and it seems like every day is a struggle, can I encourage you today that if you will decide that you're going to give to heaven what is heaven's and you're going to leave on earth what is earth's hallelujah you will find peace and joy hallelujah and comfort in your life on this earth a lot faster can I get an amen those worlds will collide and they will collide more often amen than you will like and you and you and I will like they will confront one another more often hallelujah and the answer is crucial hallelujah the answer that we will give is crucial amen if we will decide and I love I love the analogy I love the story that is given here it's not really an analogy but I love the description that we see when Jesus holds up that coin and he says whose face is stamped on there and what inscription is written on there and they said Caesar's hallelujah and he said then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's what does that mean child of God I'm here to tell you today that you have been made in the image of the most high God hallelujah you have his life his name hallelujah stamped on your life praise God and I'm here to tell you when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror you don't see a failure you don't see somebody that's rejected you don't see some loser you don't see somebody that's sick and just going to die and be miserable hallelujah you are looking at a child of God you are looking at one that has been bought with a price you are looking at one that is precious to the father in heaven hallelujah you are looking to the one that he thought while you were even yet a sinner and unlovable that he would die for you that he would lay down his life and pay the price you have been bought with a price you have gone through the minting process that God has decided hallelujah as a child of God when you are born again when you bear his name when you have been filled with his spirit he has stamped you hallelujah does that mean the pain goes away and the trials won't come and the trouble isn't there no but we have this uh, uh, encouragement we have this strength amen that this life is temporary and the one to come is eternal Hallelujah. 
I've got to quieten down. I'm just going to teach. I'm a volume guy. It's not my hearing anymore. It's just it helps me. Amen. We fall into, if you will, a turf war. Can I put it that way? We fall into, i got an amen back there somewhere. Thank you, sister. We fall into a turf war. Let me, let me just define for you turf war, amen, by just a common dictionary. It says, it is a bitter struggle. Can I get an amen? For territory or power or control or rights. It's a conflict, a struggle, a battle. For territory, power, control, or rights. Hallelujah. I got a few, I got a few Sunday morning nods that, that already got it. Let me talk about those things just a little bit. First of all, let's talk about territory. Amen. Matthew chapter 13. Amen. If you could turn there, that's great. If not, just listen up. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hidden a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and he buys that field. Now, listen up, because some folks, some folks will, will get critical and they'll say, why are you teaching this on a Sunday morning? This will apply if, if, you, if the 30 minutes, well, we've been having church now for 55 minutes. If you've been in, in, in this church and this is the first time you've ever been to church, so you can say, I'm a 55-minute veteran of church, this will apply to you. If you have been in the church for 55 years, this will apply to you. We don't ever stop making kingdom decisions. Oh, hallelujah. On your deathbed, you will make a kingdom decision on whether you will raise your arms and walk into glory or you will curse God and die. Okay. All right, that didn't hit you. This man, the Bible tells us, and the Bible is telling us because we're talking about kingdom stuff, right? It says the kingdom of heaven is like a man that walks through a field and finds a treasure. You guys have heard me teach this to exhaustion, so I'm not going to walk, I'm not going to get out into the weeds of the details, but I am going to give you what this means, amen. This is a man that's walking through a field. We know that back in those days when they had wars and battles and things like that, folks would gather their valuables, they would run off, and they would try to get out ahead of the, the, the enemy that was approaching, and sometimes when they realized that that enemy was biting at their heels, they'd stop they dig a hole, they bury those valuables in the ground, and they keep on running, thinking that if we escape and they don't catch up to us, well, we'll double back. When everything calms down, the dust settles, we'll come back, we'll get our treasures. That's why, have you ever heard the scripture, we, uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels? Have you ever heard that? That's because they would stick them in jars of clay that would keep everything on the inside, amen, sealed and safe and not that wouldn't tarnish or corrode or get wet or none of those kinds of things, and then they would stick that in the ground. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Sometimes it's cracked and it's fragile. Okay, I've, I've taught this to exhaustion before, and so have others. This man finds this treasure. So because in, in those times they, that there were times that folks were running from an enemy and they'd bury a treasure, sometimes the enemy caught up to them and, and slew them, right? Sometimes they didn't make it. Sometimes they didn't get away. So that treasure would stay buried in that hole in that field. Well, there was a law that was set up so that if somebody came along and found somebody else's treasure buried in a hole, that there wasn't any way that they were ever going to find who that treasure belonged to. Now, there were, there were other laws that if you got home and you had fruit in your basket, there's a lot of, a lot of laws, but I'm not going to get out into those weeds, all right? But it, it all applies. So if, the, if this man was walking through this field and he found this treasure, he had a responsibility. If he wanted that treasure, he had to also buy the field. He wasn't, he wasn't being a criminal. I used to teach, Brother Buford, I used to teach that this guy was some kind of trespasser and he found something and it was like, well, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, you know. And he put that thing in his pocket, and he, and he walked off, and he bought the land. He didn't tell the owner of the land what he found or none of those. No, they had laws set up that protected them from those kinds of things. So he was well within his right to stumble across this treasure, go find out if the land was for sale, and if it was for sale, he could purchase it, and then everything in the field, not just the treasure, 
everything in the field became his. Can I get an amen? So he did that. The Bible says, the kingdom of God is like a man that finds a treasure in the field and goes home and sells everything that he has and buys that field. What does that mean? That means he sold his house. He sold, if you'll allow me to bring this to tomorrow, he sold his house. He sold his cars. If he already owned land, he sold that land. He sold the fence. He sold, he sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field that contained that treasure. Hallelujah. He valued that treasure more than anything he came to the table with before he found that treasure. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm here to tell you. Now, let me just talk to the folks that have been here 59 minutes. If you have come here and, and you have a prayer life and you're a giver and you're a Christian, if you will, and you have lived for God and served God and you go to church faithfully, I'm here to tell you that's great and that's good, but don't walk through this field with your eyes closed, hallelujah, just because you're satisfied and happy with what you showed up with. Come on, somebody. If you've had some powerful experiences, if God, because I'm just telling you, healing and miracles are not just for the Pentecostals. Hallelujah, right? Can I get an amen? If you've had some powerful experiences and some miraculous things in your life, that's awesome, and that was God, and that's great, and that's good, but don't be satisfied with your experience and what you have showed up with this morning because I'm here to tell you, you may just be walking through a field that has a treasure that's more valuable than anything that you could show up with. You you may have just walked into a field that has something greater and better. Let me tell you something. It's, I'm not talking about just relationship. I'm talking about truth. You may have walked in here and found something that you've never seen before, never tasted before, never heard before, never experienced before. I'm here to tell you, open up your eyes and don't trip over it. I'm here to tell you here this morning that you ought to run home and forget everything that you had before you got here. You ought to sell out. You ought to give it up. You ought to walk away from it and cling to the truth, hallelujah, that you have found here today. See, we're not just a church that preaches truth. The Bible preaches truth. Jesus said there was a truth. The apostles said there's a truth. There's a right way and a wrong way. There's a, there's a way to get there and there's a way not to get there. Can I get an amen? If you are here this morning, now let me tell you this, and you've been doing this for well, now we're at 61 minutes, so I'm going to say 61 years. If you've been doing this for, anybody been doing this longer than 61 years? Will you tell on yourself? Nobody, all right. Got you covered. If you've been doing this your whole life, amen, and you showed up here this morning, can I tell you there's still more for you? See, that man had to go home and decide that treasure is going to benefit me more than these other things that I own. Now watch, because now, now I'm talking to the folks that have been, been in the church for a long time, okay? Can I, can I switch gears? Everybody with me? I'm paying attention to the time. I may not get off of this. <laughs> we may have to have a Wednesday night Bible study. The folks that have been doing this for a long time, it did not say... That, that the things that that man had were wrong. I got one. Mm. I, just one. It didn't say that he had to go get rid of all of his idols. It didn't say that he had to go uh, uh, burn down the meth lab. Okay? What it said was, he just went and sold all so that he could afford that field. Can I get an amen? It's possible that the things that that man had were also provided by the Lord. Just blew you away. Amen? You and I have stuff in our life Stuff that belongs to Caesar. Just, I'm talking about just stuff. That this is just stuff. But they are things that God has blessed us with. 
jobs, health, friends, hobbies, you name it, that God has blessed us with along the way. Those things are called provisions. We sing a song that calls him a provider, right? Is this okay, Brother Harpo? Am I, am I in the, still in the Bible? I feel like I'm talking in tongues right now. Okay, somebody interpret quick. It's getting hot. It's stuff that was provisions. Now, now I'm just using my imagination now because Scripture doesn't tell us this. But we didn't hear that the guy was a bad guy or that he was needed delivered from a bunch of stuff. So those may have been things that were provisions along the way. Don't, I'm talking to the, to the, to the veterans right now, don't confuse provisions for his promise. Now some of you new folks can, can swallow that too. Don't confuse the things that he has provided you with with your arrival at where he wants you. Oh, hallelujah. When the children of Israel were wandering around in the desert, they had a destination that... Brother, do you know off the top of your head how long if they would have just went from A to B, they would have gotten there? It wasn't very long. It sure, it sure was not 40 years. It sure wasn't a 40-year trip. But along the way, they got provisions, and they got stuff given to them that every once in a while they said, well, why don't we just stay right here? We don't need to cross that line and fight battles and fight giants and fight enemies, hallelujah. Let's just make this our territory. Remember, I'm talking about a turf war. I'm bringing it back, hallelujah. I'm talking about a turf war. They said, why don't we just make, and then they ended up wandering and walking in circles. What does that mean? They were still moving. They were still, uh, hallelujah, getting things done, praise God, but they weren't getting where God wanted them to go. Hallelujah. Don't confuse in your territory, hallelujah, provisions for promise. Amen. God is trying to get you somewhere. God has given you a calling. He's given you a gifting. He's given you a promise. Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you here today that when you're going through the field and you find a treasure, hallelujah, be willing to expand your territory. Be willing to let God expand your influence. Hallelujah. That's what this church is wanting to do. Praise God. We're wanting to expand our influence. We're wanting to reach out farther and harder and more and deeper. Hallelujah. And higher, if you will, praise the Lord. But once in a while... We might have to surrender and sacrifice and humble ourselves. Hallelujah. We might have to sell all and appear to have, because before, between the selling of his stuff and the buying of the other stuff, hallelujah, he had way less than what he started with. In between contracts. Can I get an amen? He could have walked in there and that guy said, oh, I just changed my mind, I don't want to. And he just stand there with a bag full of money. Amen? Amen? Turf wars. We wake up every day to a turf war. Amen? And we are fighting over territory. Amen? And we have got to be careful, praise God, that we will allow what is Caesar's to be Caesar's. And we will give to God what is God's. Amen? That we don't cling and hold dear to our stuff in this life, so much so that we miss, hallelujah, the ministry of God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to use a bad word. Surrender. Surrender. We are, uh, hallelujah, the Bible tells us, amen, and we read in the Old Testament, if my people will humble themselves, okay, I might start preaching, if my people that will humble themselves, not if my people will wait for me to humble them, if my people will make the decision to get down on their knees, Oh, hallelujah. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. All of that was their responsibility. Then will I hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive their sin. Hallelujah. We, we, something that, 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 that 
that, that I'm missing in my life. Let me just bring it to that. I'm not going to say that we're missing. But something I'm missing in my life is I remember when, when, when we used to preach and teach. And I remember the, the altar calls and the prayer meetings where we used to stay on our face, Brother Buford. And I would spend sometimes 30, 45 minutes or an hour saying, God, humble me. God, break me. God, make me what you want me to be. God, remove from my life what is not like you and put in there what you want. And we have become afraid to pray those kind of prayers. We told people, if you want a Paul ministry, you've got to have Paul suffering. And they said, well, then I'll just take a Keith ministry. Am I right? We have found ourselves, amen, walking through the field, finding the treasure, and then looking back over our shoulder and going, well, my place ain't so bad. Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking about surrender and selling out and humbling ourselves. Will anybody raise your hand and say, lately you have been afraid to pray prayers of God, teach me patience. How does God teach you patience? He makes you have them. <laughs> he puts you in situations where you must have them. He doesn't just go, oh, you'd like some patience? Oh, you want some humility? Amen. But we have got to get back to that place where we just allow this kingdom that we live in not to, to make us afraid or, or intimidated to ask God to be more like him. Can I get an amen? Power. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Power is one of the second things that the dictionary, I'm preaching out of the dictionary now, that the dictionary mentioned would be in conflict of a turf war, amen? And we know, praise God, just by way of, 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 of being cheap about this, we know that we have been endued with power from on high. Can I get an amen? And we, uh, amen, have got to be careful because the theme right now is going to be surrender and humility. We have got to be careful that we're not just seeking after power that is a mountain-moving power or a healing and miracles power. We've got to be careful because when the Bible says that they were endued with power from on high, watch this, it means that they were given an inherent ability from on high. Watch this. It's more than moving mountains. It's more than pulling people out of wheelchairs it's more than healing leprosy it's more than healing the blind eye and the deaf ear it's more than that it's being able to love the unlovable it's a being able to love your enemy it's being able hallelujah to have comfort and peace when this world provides none hallelujah it's a power hallelujah that we struggle with every day when things go south hallelujah and when the enemy comes in like a flood and when the thoughts are failing us and fear and intimidation is there there's a power there to somehow still find peace the Bible tells us it's a peace that is beyond understanding what does that mean it means that somehow when I shouldn't have any peace I have found peace Oh, hallelujah. It's more than just a power, a mountain-moving power. It's more than just the, the gifts, hallelujah, of, of, of prophecy. It's more than that, hallelujah. There's a power that is involved when we are given the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. That means when somebody smells funny, when somebody looks funny, we can still somehow wrap our arms around them and embrace them and welcome them and help them and lift them and support them. It's more. It's an inherent ability. It's a given power. Hallelujah. And if you ask me, those, amen, abilities to love through the Holy Spirit are far more powerful than mountain-moving power. Can I get an amen? Control, it says. We're going to have a turf war over control. Amen. Whenever these two worlds, these two kingdoms collide. Amen. Can I get real with you right now? That there is nothing that causes us to surrender our control, amen, more than affliction. Can I get an amen? When you become physically or mentally or spiritually afflicted, amen, and the medicine doesn't work and the doctor doesn't have answers and you don't know what it is and you don't have a clue and you don't feel any respite or relief, hallelujah, you will suddenly realize you are not in control. Can I get an amen? Let me, just use, let me just use my condition. Di I'm, I'm diabetic. In everything that I do, hallelujah. Brother Buford, 
every meal I have, every bite that I take, every drop that I sweat, I have to consider what is my blood sugar doing right now. Can I get an amen? Even folks that say I control my blood sugar, they are not in control. Hallelujah. There is nothing, amen, like physical, mental, spiritual, emotional affliction that will cause us to realize we are not in control. Now, here's what happens. When those things happen because that's Caesar stuff. Are you picking up what I'm dropping? That physical stuff like that is Caesar stuff. That's stuff that we are going to go through, whether you are Moses or you're just somebody that nobody's ever heard your name. You're going to go through stuff. Can I get an amen? Because it's life. We're physical. We're human. That's just how we are. But here's what happens. Here's where we get messed up. If we allow, amen, to, that we allow ourselves to surrender ourselves to that, watch this. Oh, Satan, our, our adversary, our enemy, he will come in and his greatest umbrella that he works under is fear and insecurity. He can paralyze a Christian with fear and insecurity. He could paralyze them with something that they are afraid of or don't know or have never seen or never have never experienced. He could paralyze a Christian, amen, anybody really, but he can really lock up a Christian, amen, if he can get them to think, amen, that they are out of control, that they can't do anything about it, that there's no answer, nowhere to turn, and nobody to call on, hallelujah. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, amen, that they were commanded to rend not your garment, hallelujah. The high priests were told, that they weren't allowed to tear their clothes when their kids died or when disease came or when famine hit or when drought hit. They were told, rend not your garment. You know why? That was, a, that was a, an act of desperation. That was an act of hopelessness. Hallelujah. And God was saying, if you're mine, you're never without hope. If you're mine, you're never desolate. If you're mine, you're never without an answer. If you're mine, you're never alone or by yourself or hallelujah, been left. Hallelujah or abandoned you're mine hallelujah I'm always he said if you're mine I'm always in control whether healing comes or healing doesn't come he's in control whether the answer comes or the answer doesn't come he's on the throne he doesn't become lowercase God because you have trouble all of a sudden. He's still uppercase God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the ending. Watch this. Can I just put a Keith J version on the first and the last? That means he's first place, he's last place, he's second, third, fourth, fifth. He is every place in the race. Hallelujah. He doesn't give to anybody. He doesn't hand it over to anyone. He doesn't pass the baton to anybody. There's no one on his team all by himself. He's in control. All by himself. He's not asking anybody for help. He's not calling in uh, 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 the backups, hallelujah, when things really go south, praise God. God is always in control, hallelujah. But control in God's kingdom means surrender. Amen? How many here's ever... You've been swimming before. Anybody here good at just floating on your back? Four or five of you. You, you, you know what's, uh, anybody else want to come in at the last minute? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what's hard about that, Brother Buford? Surrender. Because you lay back on your back, it's, it, it's, it's probably a little bit easier for me now. I think I'm probably more buoyant than I was. <laughs> I'm probably more buoyant than I was back in the day. But what it requires is surrender to the environment. If you're laying back on your back and you're just trying to float on your back and you feel that water creep up in your ears and it starts getting up around your mouth like this, you start to panic and you want to you want to stroke a hand over here, or you want to stretch a leg out, or you want to move, and that just brings you farther underwater. But if you'll just continue to slowly breathe and surrender to the environment and don't move and just stay still, you'll float. You'll be all right. You'll keep inhaling and exhaling. 
When you exhale a little bit, you'll sink a little bit. When you inhale, you'll gain that ground back. That's what it is with God in control. We're in this life, and you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes we spend most of our lives this far from being underwater. Can I get a few Sunday morning nods? Sometimes life comes flooding in and we feel like we're going to drown. Here's what happens. Giving, surrendering to God doesn't mean, have you ever heard the phrase, let go and let God? That's not what surrender is. Surrender is not an actual conscious decision. It's not something that you do. Surrendering is a state of mind where you, your lifestyle becomes, I'm going to lay here and float. Because if you do, you just cause problems for yourself. Understand what I'm saying? Am I, am I being clear? Did I stop talking in tongues? Control, giving God control, is like laying in that pool and floating on your back. Sometimes the water fills your ears. Sometimes it feels like it's going to flood over you. But if you will just trust him. If you will just allow him, that's what surrender in the kingdom of God is. It's saying, I trust you, but I not only trust you, I'm going to allow you to carry me. Can I get an amen? Is this all right? I came here this morning wanting to help somebody. I'd really love to preach and yell and scream, but I really feel like this is where we're at, where we need this kind of help today. Amen. I know I do. Last one, rights. Well, we hear all about rights today, don't we? Amen. We, and, and here's, before I get into this, let me just explain to you one of, one of the things that we face, because this is a, something that I have come to an understanding, Brother Buford, that was difficult for me. We do walk around in this world. We do gather dust from this life. Can I get an Amen. One of the problems with, that we face, one of the challenges, not problems, one of the challenges that we face as a church is that as we bring folks in from out in the world, they are also going to bring mindsets and ways of thinking. We live in a country right now where, and I'm not going to get political, but we live in a country right now where politics are all about what my rights are. What are my rights? You don't have the right to say this, you don't have the right to do that, you don't have the right to impose upon me, rights, 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 rights. We are, we are seeing in our country a turf war, if you will, that folks are fighting, amen, and, and in at each other, amen. We've got to be careful that we don't allow that to filter into our Christian life, amen, because let me tell you something, God is sovereign. And I wish I had a couple of hours just to spend on the sovereignty of God. God is in charge. God is on the throne. God is sovereign. Hallelujah. We serve a king in a kingdom that is sovereign. Amen. Not a democracy. Can I get an amen? We are, we, we will, I have heard people say, and, it, and, and I want to back away from them before lightning strikes them. But thank God he doesn't operate that way. But I'll hear people say, you know, uh, 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 why did God allow that to happen to that little kid? Or why did God allow that to happen to my grandma? Or why did God allow this person to pass from my life? Or why did God allow this trouble in my life and this trial in my life? Hallelujah. I just can't serve a God like that. That's somebody that's more concerned about their rights than the sovereignty of God. I got one right on that one, but that's okay. It's true anyway. I, I remember hearing, and, and it... it, it it really did shake me when I heard it. I heard Oprah Winfrey, and I, and I folks, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying go watch her, don't go watch her, but I heard Oprah Winfrey say one time she used to be a she used to be a devout Christian, from what I understand. Somebody in her crowd one time said, and this has been probably 15 years ago, said to her, they were talking about some different things, and she was talking about some new age stuff that she's into, and this person raised her hand and said. And she called on them and they said, what about, what about Jesus Christ? Because that person was sitting in the crowd thinking, I thought you were at least professed to be a Christian. And she said, what about Jesus Christ? And she went on to talk about 
if a God, and she said she grew up being taught that our God was a jealous God. And she said, I cannot serve a jealous God. I will not submit myself to someone that is that insecure. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to bag on Oprah Winfrey. That's her thoughts. But that has turned into a mentality and a mindset of the hour and the era and the age that we live in, boys and girls. That folks are saying, if God isn't going to do it my way, then I'll just find a church that says God will do it my way. If God isn't going to do it my way, then I'll just find some other belief system that says I can do it my way. And, and God can do what, that God can do whatever he wants to do. Listen to me. You don't make God God. You don't put God on his throne. He is sovereign and he is in charge and his way is the right way and the only way, amen. And it's you and I that have to get up every day and decide that we're not in a democracy. We're not going to cast ballots and, and, let, and decide what God's going to embrace and what he's not going to embrace, amen. You and I have got to not go to the booth. We've got to go to the Bible and say, if God said, then that's it. It's not a democracy. He's sovereign. He's the king and I live in his kingdom. Can I get an Amen. We live in an age where nothing is sovereign anymore. Pastor, you and I talked about it. We don't even, we don't even look to science and biology. We don't, we don't care about facts and, and, and we don't care about anything of that. We care about our feelings, how we feel about it, amen. I'm here to tell you today, surrender yourself to God. He is sovereign. He is on the throne, hallelujah. It's his way or no other way, praise God. I want you to surrender and humble yourself before him, amen. When those two kingdoms collide, why don't we stand to our feet? When we find ourselves involved in this turf war, if you will, when we find ourselves involved in trying to decide, I'm going to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and I'm going to give to God what is God's. Don't hold anything in this life more dear than the call and the precepts and the truth of God that's a simple statement don't hold anything in this life more valuable than the things of God can I get an amen now see what happens when I make a statement like that because you're, you're spirit-filled individuals. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> you guys are close. <laughs> We're spirit-filled individuals. There are going to be some things, amen, in this life that may have been provisions of God. They may have been things that God has given us, things that he's supplied us along the way that he's going to say, okay, now you can cut that loose. I got something else for you. Amen? I've heard multiple stories, and I haven't asked any of these people their permission, so I'm not going to name their names. Multiple stories of people that had opportunities at six-figure jobs. That's one story. Another story of an individual that told me they lost everything. But now they're in a position where they can bless the kingdom of God more than ever before. See, we look at the story of Job. See, some of you are getting nervous. You're getting nervous about your prayer already because I just feel that. I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you, you're, 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 you're almost refusing to close your eyes and pray because you're afraid to ask God, what do you want me to give up? We've got, to, we've got to break that mindset. We have got to get over that hurdle. We, we, Brother Perryman too, got to get over that. When, when, when Job was tried, we all know the story, and, and boy, we like, we like Sister Harpole, we like to fast forward through that story. We like to go, man, his wife was a jerk. His friends were jerks. <laughs> he lost all his kids. He lost his health. He lost all his stuff. We like to talk about that. And then, we, then we go, but in the end, God gave him more than what he started with. Don't we? We like, we like just fast forward through that. 
If Job lost all of that, do you know how long the process was to regain not only what he had, but then to have more than what he had? Because I'm here to tell you, God didn't just reach in, in one pocket, take it, and then take from this pocket over here and put it back in Job's pocket. There was pain and suffering and probably moments where he was afraid, probably moments where he didn't understand what is going on. Because of God's own assessment, he hadn't done anything wrong. God's own assessment. Not Job's profession, not even Satan's profession, because we know he's a liar. By God's own assessment, Job had done nothing wrong. And yet he lost it all. If even just the replacement of his children You'd have to talk about nine months at a time, right? We're talking years and a process of time and pain. I didn't come to you this morning to preach pain. I didn't come to you this morning to preach sacrifice. Here's what I came to preach to you this morning. And I hope I minister to your heart. Surrender. When Jesus said, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's and you give to God what is God's. He was saying, just let it all go. Just surrender it. Don't try to hold it back. If there's stuff in this life that you've got to let go of, then just let go of it. If there's stuff in, this, in, in the life to come that you need to gain, then grab it with both spiritual hands and cling to the altar and cry out and lean on God and trust in Him and allow Him. I want to encourage you today. I think that I think it'd be all right if we just took a moment. This is one of those things, obviously, that we are not going to accomplish in the next few minutes in these altars. This is something that you and I have got to go home, and we've got to start applying it. We've got to start practicing and getting good at it. You get big muscles by exercise. We've got to go home and exercise this. Amen? But here's what I think would be good. A revival of surrender. If as a church body, unless your knees are just unable, if you could find a bended knee and just a moment of prayer to say, God, humble me. God, whatever's in my life that you don't want, help me to give it up. Help me to get rid of it. God, whatever you want to add to my life, I, I open my arms, my heart, my mind. Put it in there. Call me to do it. Ask me to do it quicken my mind to, to be aware of it and do it would you join me right now would you begin to just bend your knees would you just begin to close your eyes would you just begin you're more than welcome to come to this altar you're more than welcome to just sit down in your seat and lean forward on the chair in front of you you're, 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 you're encouraged to get on your knees and turn around and put your face in your chair put your face in the carpet lay prostrate before the Lord bend your knees stand before him but I'm going to encourage you, if we could get 100% participation in this church that could find a bended knee and a place to pray and say, God, I want to let Caesar have what is his, and I want to give you what is yours. I want to give you my entire life. Don't be afraid to lift your voice. Don't be afraid to let tears run down your face. Don't be afraid to let tongues come out of your mouth. Lord, we surrender to you today.